some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. to a fresh edition of GTF, Gabriel Talks Football. With me, of course, is Greg Gabriel, who is on his telephone because that old computer of his is giving him problems. Have you kicked it yet, Greg? (laughs) No, I'm going to punch it, though. (laughs) That's the way we used to fix Uh, that. I could give it a couple FUs, too, but what what, what good is it going to do? That's right. I told Greg, you know, all these computers have a chip inside of them that after three or four years, it turns on and it starts to ruin everything on your computers just so you can go buy another one. And he's, he called it the FU chip. <laughs> that is classic. That is classic. Welcome to everyone in the chat room. We've got a lot to talk about. Greg, the last time you and I talked, it was was it right before the big trade or was it after the trade? Did we talk about? No, we did. We did a show right after. We did a show after. Okay, that's right. That's right. And so then we um, did a Saturday a Saturday morning show. That is right. And so now we've got a number of things to talk about, including the uh, late night acquisition of running back Travis Homer. Uh, let's start there and then work our way backwards. What do you think about the fact that David Montgomery is now gone from the Chicago Bears and Travis Homer is on the roster? Uh, you know, I'm, in, in, in all honesty, fairness, I'm a little disappointed. Uh, I like Montgomery, and I think he is the ideal complement to Khalil Herbert. Uh, you know, only because his strong points are Herbert's weak points and mm-hmm. vice versa. So they work very well together. I think Bulls wanted him back, but he wanted him back at his price. And, and he ended up getting about $6 million a year from Detroit. Well, they weren't going to give him $6 million. And, you know, it's funny because earlier in the day yesterday, some running backs started going off the board. And the price was very, very reasonable. So then I was saying, you know, this is going to work out. He's going to end up coming back here. And then all of a sudden, Detroit gives them a boatload of money, which tells me that they weren't anywhere close to getting Jamal Williams re-signed. Mm. And he still hasn't signed anywhere. So they went out and, and, you know, probably, in my opinion, overpaid for David. I don't like him a lot, but I don't like him $6 million. Yeah. And But I think three years is the, is the, the right length, you know, for running back. Um, so now it's, yeah, I, I think you still need to find that compliment back. I, I don't think it's on the team yet. Uh, this guy, Travis Homer is the backup. He's a pretty fast guy. He was a four, four, eight coming out. Not real big five, nine, two Oh five, two Oh three, something like that catches the ball very, very well, which is a plus because that's not 
the strong suit of Herbert as being, you know, a, a real integral part of the pass game. I don't have a clue how he can pass block, and he's a smaller guy, so who knows? So I think somewhere in the draft on day three, it won't be before day three, that uh, you'll see them draft, uh, you know, a power back to, to sit as a complement to Khalil Herbert. I was looking for some tape of Travis uh, to share with our audience today. I found some highlights uh, that I'll share and we can talk over. But there was a couple of also uh, practice tapes. Somebody uh, videotaped that practice and it looked like Travis was pretty decent at pass blocking. So we'll see, of course, when he becomes a member of the Chicago Bears. But uh, clearly, Bears fans will remember the fact that uh, the Bears defense had trouble tackling him in that game last season uh, in Seattle. Uh, but he he certainly has quickness. He, he has some escapability. And, yep. And he's got some toughness to him, too. You'll see and, him and, and he returns kicks. Yeah. He returns, he returns okay. kickoffs and he can cover. So And, and you got the, a backup running back has to be a a special teams guy. Mm-hmm. And this guy can do that. He's got the quickness to turn the corner, get outside. Uh, like I say, he runs pretty good. I mean, put this way, all the kid they drafted last year, Clue Hubbard and this guy, all are sub four or five guys coming out of college. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that, that's a lot of speed at the running back position. They just don't, they don't have that move the chains guy right now. And, Either Khalil Herbert's going to have to learn how to pass block or they're going to have to find somebody who can do that because that is extremely important. Yeah, and it's interesting that I've I've been saying uh, for a while that I, in total speculation that I really do believe the Bears' number one running back for 2023 is going to be selected in the NFL draft. I, I would – think that this is going to probably put a higher priority on finding a running back. If we would have re-signed David Montgomery, then we're picking up a running back day three, late day three. Now it could be as early as day three, maybe potentially uh, early day three or potentially late round two. Am I off my rocker by saying that? I think you're off your rocker. I don't think he's going to – history says, and you look at the – like Kansas City last year. They got a guy pretty damn good back in the seventh mm-hmm. round. Mm-hmm. You know, history says you get good backs in, on day three. And there are too many other – it's not like you're barren at the position. There's too many other need positions that you've got to fill. And, you know, your you're, day three starts with the very first pick in the fourth round. Mm-hmm. In essence, you're getting – you know, a, a, a third round guy with that pick, you know, that's coming off your board. It could be as early as that. It, it really depends on who you're looking at. Uh, and then they got two fives. So uh, do they have two fours or just one? Four? Yeah, but they got two fours and two fives. That's correct. So, you know, they, there's, they don't have a six, but then they got two sevens again. They, they, they've got the, the capital to get one and to get a pretty good one. Mm-hmm. Um and I don't think they're done trading yet. I, you know, I just think that there's a better than 50, 50 chance that he trades out a night mm-hmm. and goes down a little bit, but right. we'll, we'll get into that a little later. We got these free agents. Time. And for all we know, they could sign somebody while, while we're 
while we're recording this. Do you think yes. I can talk very good? <laughs> <laughs> that, that computer got you flustered, Craig. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> You, got, you might have to go to the gym immediately after this to get your I frustration can't go out. to the gym yet. I'm still at least a week away. Okay. Oh, it's killing me because I'm just rotting away here. Oh no. Oh well. Hope. Uh, well, we're uh, everyone in the chat room is uh, praying for your speedy recovery after uh, that procedure you had done. All right. Let's get back to our free agency list here. Uh, the next guy on the list is frankly a defensive end that I I didn't know much about. Demarcus Walker. What say you about this signing, and where do you think this guy is going to play? Because I keep hearing a lot of things about him potentially being a three tech. He's not a defensive end. You know what they do? A lot of people label five techniques and three, four schemes as defensive ends. Mm -hmm. They're defense. In my mind, they're always defensive tackles. Ends are guys who play out wide. Six, seven, eight, nine technique, not five technique. This guy, for most of his career, has been a five. Uh, he was 280 coming out. You look at him now. He's bigger than 280. Got good length. He had his best season this past year. Uh, I think he had seven or seven and a half sacks. Um, pretty athletic. He ran 489 or 488 when he was coming out of Florida State. He's a you know, second-round pick or something. And... He's a he's a good piece of the puzzle. Is he the answer for the three? No, he's the rotational guy at the three. Who might you know? But right now he's the number one three. But depending on what happens in the draft, he could be the number two or rotational. You know, they they they're going to play fifty fifty. I don't think he's capable of playing the one, but he can. He's athletic enough, and he has played some, especially when he was with Tennessee last year, played some defensive end last year. So what he can do, his versatility really allows you, because they were going into games and dressed in eight defensive linemen mm -hmm. for the rotation, you can get away with, with seven with him because he does have that versatility to play outside, say left end, and, and he's going to help the run defense play left end and then on past situations, he plays inside. So I like the signing. You know, he's, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, he's a late bloomer, you know, mm -hmm. coming in into the league. Um, I found an interesting interview on, on YouTube, and it actually was done right near the end of the season with Tennessee this year. You know, he had some speech impediments when he was a stutterer and stuff when he was a kid that he had to overcome. And, you know, he's kind of an interesting guy. Mm -hmm. Um they got him at, you know, prices go up every year. Uh, so he, he's an interesting guy. I, I like him. I, uh, do I love him? No. But he, I'd rather have him at $7 million or a little under $7 million than Draymond Jones at $16.3 million. Mm -hmm. And that's why Draymond Jones isn't a bear. Because the, the cost got too high, and we, we'll get into that in a little bit. And that's why McGlinchey isn't a bear, because the, the cost got too high. You know, you set limits. And I've known Cliff Stein, who does the contracts for 21 years, and he is excellent. In fact, I, I tweeted out the other day, I said he's one of the best in the business. And Joe Banner, who knows him from Philly, Cliff is originally from Philly, and he was an agent mm -hmm. when, he's, when he started off in this business. And... 
Stein or not Stein, Joe Banner corrected me. He says not one of the best. He is the best, and that's coming from a guy who was president of the Browns and president of the Eagles, and so an opposing factor, so to speak. Um, so he doesn't have to jump up on the table for for Stein, and he did, which was was nice. Um, and I I've known for a long time that that Joe thinks very very highly of uh, of Cliff Stein, but Cliff is not going to have the Bears sign guys with stupid money. It's just not going to happen. You know, he he treats that money like it's his. It's not that he's not afraid to spend. He'll spend. He spent a a lot of money on Tremaine Edmonds, but he's going to spend the right money for the right player. So let's talk about McGlinchey, even though, you know, there's a lot of speculation. I could go on forever on this because it, it, some of the stuff is the dynamics are kind of interesting. So I'm going to back up and, and, and tell the whole story. Please do. The going into free agency, teams don't say anything about who they want, who they don't want, or whatever. You can't because it's a competitive situation. You don't want to, you know, show stuff off to other teams. Now the the People got all the information are the agents and the agents are trying to get as much as they can for their clients as they should. That's their job. So you got people on the network, you know, you got Adam Schefter uh, with uh, ESPN, you got Pelissaro, uh, Garofolo and Rappaport with the, with the NFL network. They got information who are they getting the information from? They're not getting it from the teams because the teams aren't telling them either. They're getting it from the agents. So, and I know a couple of these guys pretty well. And I got some texts early in the day on uh, Monday. And some came late Sunday night looking at the market. And they said, uh, market for Juwan Taylor is 18 to 20. Market for McGlinchey is 16 to 17. Market for Caleb McGarry is 15 to 16. Market for uh, Dewan Jones is 18 plus and it keeps going up. Mm-hmm. Now look at the contracts they signed and what was right and what was off. And so what I'm, and what I'm trying to say is these are agent driven numbers. The agents are saying, and and the agents know that the teams are listening to these shows, you know, trying to gather a little information too. Mm -hmm. So it behooves the agent to to throw those numbers out there. But let's go with Caleb McGarry. He signs last night back with Atlanta for like a little over $11 million. That's a long way from 15 to 16. Yeah. Okay, Draymond Jones signs in Seattle, and it's not until late Monday night that that contract gets done. And it's for just a little over 16. Well, they were saying in the morning, the market's, you know, 18 plus, 18.5 plus. No, it wasn't. People weren't going that high. So, and, and the Bears... You know, there's a report I got from one guy said the Bears told Draymond's agent, don't make a deal until you give us the last crack at it. 
total farce. And wow. I and I bought into it because I, I believed the guy. There was no mm-hmm. truth to it. Bears dropped out before we even hit on, on Monday morning. Mm. Wow. Because, you know, they, they had a number, a set number that they were going at. They weren't going any higher than that. And they thought anything above where they wanted to go was stupid money. And a lot of people thought the kids, I think, from Cleveland, that he was going to go to Cleveland. Well, he didn't go to Cleveland either because they weren't going to pay him stupid money. Mm-hmm. And, and Seattle gave him the stupid money. Don't forget, he's only a one-year starter. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm not downplaying the kid. I'd, I'd like to have the kid. But you'd like to have the kid at the right number. McGlinchey, as far as I know, is that Bears would have gone to an average of close to $17 million. He ended up getting 17.5. That's not what killed the deal. What killed the deal for the Bears is the guaranteed money. Like fifty-two million, there was no way they were giving him fifty-two million. He's twenty-eight years old, mm-hmm. so you know. And, and if you look at some of the structures of these contracts, especially Tremaine Edwards, because it's the biggest one, some of these are front-end loaded, partly because they have the money. And the other reason is, if they make a mistake, it isn't going to kill him if you got to get rid of the guy in, in say his third year. So they're trying to protect the downside, mm-hmm. yet still pay very fair market prices. I uh, totally understand the dynamics that you're uh, explaining there for us. The one, and I really do appreciate how Pose is constructing this roster very in a very meticulous and disciplined way. I applaud that very much. My only concern is that the market shifts every year. Contracts get bigger, and a contract that looks ridiculous at this season's uh, free agency period looks much more reasonable a year or two down because the market has continued to rise. And so my only concern is, is Ryan Pose missing out on some valuable players that can help the team because he's – looking at the present day market and not looking forward. Well, okay. And I can answer that. And it's really more Stein than, than Ryan. And the reason being, first of all, I've sat in contract negotiations with Cliff Stein. I know how he works Mm -hmm. and he's very meticulous. He researches more than probably 75, 80%, if not all of the, the cap guys in the league. He, and, and in fact, I'll tell you a story. This goes way, way back. We were going to do a deal, and I don't even remember if we got the deal done. I think we did. Drew Rosenhaus was the agent. Drew, you know, drives a hard bargain, wants some big money. But it was going to be the first negotiation that Cliff had done with Rosenhaus. Cliff went out and bought his book and read read it, read it, read it. So he was ready because Rosenhaus gave, in the book, he says exactly how he had those negotiations. And Cliff was totally ready for everything. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> you know, so, but he researches, yeah, you, you expect 
market prices to go up every year because there's more cap dollars. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're going to have a raise, so to speak, every year for, for a given position. But, you know, he'll research a player. Let's say it's, we'll just use Draymond Jones for the, the lack of argument. You know, he'll go back, okay, this guy's played in the league four years. He was a, uh, what, third round pick or fourth round pick or something like this. This is what he was making. These are the contracts that guys going into their fifth year have gotten. You know, he's got all that stuff there. This is what they're making. And then you go, and then you're going to, you know, bump that up because he's a priority free agent. Like I said, you know, it probably would have gone to 14 million on that, maybe a little bit more. It's a bunch of money. Sure is. You know, and, and, but they weren't, you know, you have a limit. And the worst thing you can do, and I'm not standing up for the team, I just, you know, I've been in these rooms before, so I know, but the worst thing you can do is get in a situation where you're overpay. You got to get rid of the guy. It hits you on the back end with with the cap hit and the dead money, and then you're stuck holding the bag. And look at how much dead money was last in last year's Chicago Bears team. It was like sixty thousand dollars, sixty million dollars, or seventy million dollars mm-hmm. in dead money. Now mm-hmm. you know, hey, they tanked last year. They, they, you know, but. It's you can't have that going forward. He, you know, Poles is trying to build a sound organization built on sound contracts and good football players. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're going to say McGlinchey, okay, yeah, I'll give him 17 million, but I'm not going to give him 50 million in guaranteed money because what if something happens in two years he can't play anymore? Right. You know, and, and hey, there's some, everybody will make, there's some rough film now. There's some real good film, but there's some rough film too. Mm. And so, you know, he was a good scheme fit. He's played in the scheme his entire five years. He's a good person. He's good in the locker room. There's a lot of positives there, but still you've got to protect the downside. Fascinating stuff. Uh, and again, I applaud uh, Ryan Pose's approach to that. The one thing uh, that I am... Well, I'm speculating here, but I I bet that George McCaskey at the end of Ryan Pace's tenure was looked back and said, oh, my gosh, what a waste of money. You know, just some of these contracts were just poorly done and uh, there was nothing to show for it. There's a bunch of them were poorly done. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 that's no. That's not a knock on Cliff Stein. No, he didn't do them. No, let's be fair. When, when Ryan Pace came in, he brought his own contract out. Cliff was there. Cliff was, was the corporate, at that point of his career, he was the corporate counsel and, for lack of a better term, the capologist, you know, the cap guy. Mm-hmm. And Ryan brought his own guy, Joey Lane, who was his good friend, who was the assistant cap guy in New Orleans. And so he bumps Cliff out of the job. Now Cliff stayed with the organization, with the corporate counsel, and that that alone's a full time job, especially now with a you know new stadium coming up. But he handled anything that was had to do with legal things for the Bears organization during that time. Uh, Pace was here, and the first thing that Ryan Poles did 
when he got the job is let go of Joey Lane. And Joey Lane's reputation with the agents was not very good because I had agents tell me that. And um, they just thought that he was condescending, arrogant, know-it-all, where, you know, Cliff treats everything with integrity. Mm-hmm. He's going to drive a hard bargain. You, you aren't going to steal a dollar from him. But, <laughs> I, love, I love it. <laughs> okay, but at the same time, he's going to be fair in the negotiation. He's going to be courteous. He's going to be respectful. He's never going to say a no word. You know, we had, you know, Eugene Parker, God rest his soul, real good friend of mine. He was Devin's agent and he drove some hard bargains. I mean, Cliff went down to, Eugene lives in Fort Wayne. Cliff went down to uh, uh, Eugene's house to do Devin's second contract. And he, he stayed at his house for three days to get that damn thing done. Wow. And, you, and, and Eugene is tough. Because I, you know, Eugene was one of my best friends in this world, and when he had a figure in his head, he wasn't coming off that figure. Mm-hmm. So I mean, that was a really, really tough negotiation. His son Brandon, who has a Rob, Brandon's very, very similar. You know, just I, just, just like that. Yeah. Uh, fascinating stuff, Greg. Let's uh, move on with our look at uh, who the Bears have acquired via free agency. So we talked about Homer and Walker. Uh, by the way, back, back to that defensive end position before we move on. Uh, can you provide us with a brief profile of what the Bears are looking for at that left defensive end position? And how different is that from what they're looking for in that right defensive end position. I really would love to know that. Well, yeah, it goes back and, and, and Flus said it during the year. Of the four defensive linemen, the only one that's a little bit different than what we had with Lovey is the left end. They like a little, for lack of a better term, sturdier guy. You know, a little bigger guy to, to hold the four. Most teams are right-handed. So if you got a, a sturdy left defensive, and that doesn't mean we want Philip Daniels there, you know, at 315 pounds, but you don't necessarily want a 250 pound guy there either, you know. So you got to have a, a guy who can play the run. You know, you want pass rush, but he's got to be a consistent, solid run defender and have some girth. Where the right end. You go back, we had Alex Brown. When we drafted Alex, he was 258 pounds. Hmm. And and the left end there in those years was uh, Alawali Agunlier. Agunlier was 260 on a 6'6 frame. Mm-hmm. You know, th- these were lean guys. Yeah. But they could get upfield. Their job, first job, was to rush the passer. Hmm. And th- they did a damn good job of doing it. So you can be a little bigger, but you're not going to have what you're not going to have in this defensive scheme is the big 330, 340 pound runs like they had in the previous scheme when mm-hmm. Greg Blosch was here. And it's philosophy. It's how, you know, it's what, what you're asking your people to do. So one gap scheme, not a two gap scheme. The defensive tackles got to penetrate. They got to disrupt. They got to be interior pass rushers. Uh they want him off the ball quickly. 
getting across the line of scrimmage because that can make the back have to change direction, you know, make, find another hole, cut back or whatever. And so it's, you know, athleticism, quickness, explosiveness are very, very important for the defensive tackle positions. Mm-hmm. Like I say, at the end, they just want a little sturdier guy than we were looking for in our left ends. Excellent. All right. Uh, back to our list. Uh, Tremaine Edmonds is the catch uh, for the Chicago Bears. And a lot of people were surprised, and, and maybe even you were, Greg, that – Damn right uh, I was. <laughs> <laughs> that a linebacker – And I love the signing, so don't – Okay, let's go back, because this plays into what you were hearing versus what was truth. Yeah, yeah. For two days, there's a lot of talk. Deal's done with Bobby O'Karrake, just about, okay? He's coming here. Who And he was the, or Okariki, I guess is the, the correct pronunciation of the game, who played four years with the Colts, so... Three years under Flus, love Flus, love the inside linebacker coach the Bears have. Wanted to play for Flus again. It was done. In fact, a a a writer in Indy told me, you know, about how badly he wanted to play for the Bears. So then there was talk that that you would see the reports, fictitious as they were. Oh, he's going to get fifteen to sixteen million from from the Bears. Well, he didn't get anything from the Bears, and he got $10 million from the Giants. So you see where I'm Absolutely. going with that? So what's real and, and what's just make-believe out there trying to drive up the price? And again, it's all agent-driven. Mm-hmm. So reality is, and he didn't start here really, I think, late Sunday night, Monday morning, that it might not be O'Karrake. It's it's and and I one guy from the the NFL Network had texted me. It's going to be O'Karrake, and he texted me Monday morning early. T.J. Edwards, which we'll talk about in a minute, yeah. and so I knew that one was coming. And then I said, I thought they had you know I was keep hearing O'Karrake. Well, it might be both. And then I started hearing it might be. Tremaine Edmonds, and I'm still like, oh, I don't know. They didn't want to give Roquan all that money, and I know Edmonds is going to get a lot of money, mm-hmm. you know, based on how he's played in Buffalo. Right. So, turns out, you know, when the, when they had, they announced Tremaine Edmonds and Nate Davis at just about the same time, they were like five minutes apart, maybe ten minutes apart. Um, Tremaine is a hell of a freaking player now now the the neat thing for lack of a better term is that in buffalo tremaine edmonds was the mic in philadelphia tj edwards was the mic who's gonna be the will right i can't sit there and tell you i don't know you know i'm gonna guess based on money and based on athleticism Tremaine will be the will, but you know, when they, they can sign these guys officially after four o'clock today, who knows when they're going to have a press conference, maybe today, later today, maybe tomorrow when they bring these guys in, I, I would assume it's going to be tomorrow, 
that um, they might say something then that, or they're going to do like last year, mm-hmm. you know, with Roquan and, and the other guy, they're going to say, well, we're going to let him fight it out of camp. One's going to be the, you know, we'll play them both at, at each position and then figure it out during camp. Who's going to do what, but, the one thing, and you know, everybody knows I'm a Bills fan, and I watch every one of their games. This guy, he's he's going into his sixth year. He's only 24. That's unbelievable. <laughs> okay, he, he'll be 25 in May. And I, you know, I was I did this one thing it was ESPN related when he was coming out down at Dallas at. at Jerry's Playland there, and uh, I forgot the name of the show, but it was on, you know, it was like they had like a skills competition for like 20, 25 different guys in the draft, and my job was to do a combine-like interview with each player, 15-minute interview, and, and so I I had to interview him. I had to interview Orlando Brown, uh, the tight end with Baltimore, Andrew. So, you know, those two guys will go. But Tremaine was really a, a good kid, interesting kid. But at the time, he's 20 years old. In fact, then he was 19. He hadn't turned 20 yet. Mm-hmm. And yet he was, he was in the draft. And he's got the size of Brian Urlacher, the athleticism of Brian Urlacher. In fact, he might be a little better athlete than, than Brian. He ran 454 at 254 pounds at the combine that year. And he's six, four and a half, got real long arms, very, very athletic. But when he comes, you know, he comes into the league, he just turned 20. He was, you know, I, I talk about linebackers that they got to have instincts. And, you know, a linebacker can be a reactor, or an anticipator. Well, back then, he was in it. He was a reactor, meaning he saw it, reacted to it, got to the play. You you want an anticipator who anticipates what's going to happen before he sees it and gets there a step ahead instead of a step late. Well, through the course of his career, as he gained experience, he's become an anticipator and a damn good one. Uh, and he's a big hitter. He's excellent in coverage. He's got great range. That's why I think he might end up being uh, the will because of his speed and overall athleticism. Uh, but this guy, he's just scratching the surface. Like I said, yeah. he, he won't be 25 until – now just think about this. You know, drafted Bayless last year as a rookie at 25. This guy's not 25 yet. He's already played five years in the league. Yes. <laughs> That's one of the reasons yeah. I love this signing is that this you're paying this guy and his best years are ahead of him. Right, unlike, right. Unlike some of these other free agents. And he could be now in college, he lined up on the edge every once in a while, rush passer. He can rush passer. So you can do a lot with him from that linebacker position. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I I I like the signing. Um the money's a lot. And what it turned out to be, from what I'm told, the Bears would have gone to 18 average on Roquan. They weren't going to 20. Mm-hmm. And he got his 20 from, from Baltimore. This guy ends up getting the money that Roquan 
that they wanted to give to Roquan. Mm-hmm. Okay. That, uh, you know what? And, and he's just a better fit for Iberflus' defense than uh, Roquan is. And I don't think there's any dispute on that, or there shouldn't be any dispute. One, one of the things that really caught my eye when looking at tape uh, was how Edmonds guards the middle of the field. And you see him here. This reminds me of Erlacher. He's going down, That's right. down the middle. Really good coverage skills. Unbelievable. And, and he takes away the short middle. What is first of all his his ability to drop very fluently and quickly right takes away that that center middle you know the field and the zones those middle middle zones mm-hmm. and you end up you have to throw over them and that's the same thing with Brian and that's if he's playing the mic now mm-hmm. if he's playing the will it's a different story because he's going to be more in the flat type of thing um you know again that's going to be up to the coaches where he's going to play he's he's going to be dynamic at at either position but uh, yeah i i like the signing it's a good signing i didn't see i didn't see that one coming i'm glad it did um because it and and like i said earlier it's it's a front-loaded contract so it's like you know, we're going into the 23 season. Okay, so if we're going into the 25 season, it didn't pan out. You you can get rid of them, and it's really not going to kill you on the cap. Yeah. And you know, so no, no reason to think that it's not going to work out. This guy is gifted. Right, right. I mean, I'm just you know, this kid comes from a football family. His mm-hmm. brother was a high-round draft choice. His dad played in the league. You know, he gets it. He totally gets it. And, and so that's good. So what kind of leader? I can't tell you that because he's still young. I, you know, I don't know that part about him. But I know he's a real good kid because, I, you know, I spent some time with him. And he's, he's pretty articulate. Uh, he's well-spoken. Uh, loves the game of football. Mm-hmm. So let me show you a couple of clips here of him against the run. Cause one of the things that I heard is that, you know, he needs to improve his run defense. But when you look at these clips and his speed, his quickness, his awareness, and he keeps his eyes uh, in the backfield. Uh, he's got all the traits to be an excellent run stopper and really help this run defense. Well, here's where I'd argue with that statement. Okay. Two, year, two years ago, I would have agreed with you. Hmm. In fact, I got, you know, I got a good friend who, who lives in Buffalo, obviously a big Bills fan. And I was commenting to him near the end of the season. I said, I can't believe how much Tremaine Edmonds has improved this year Mm -hmm. in every facet of the game. You know, he's been a two-time pro bowler now. It's not like you're, you know, you're not getting, you know, dog doo-doo for your 72. (laughs) You're getting a hell of a a fucking football player. Doo-doo fucking football player. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me wound up, Baldo. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, I'm sorry. Can you finish that ta- thought? You, you you told your friend. You get a hell of a fucking football player. That's it. <laughs> I love it. Okay. 
<laughs> we'll move on. Now, one of the more interesting signings, everybody's waiting for this right tackle, right tackle, right tackle, and the first offensive lineman signed by Ryan Poles is the offensive guard, the right offensive guard from the Titans, Nate Davis. What make, What do you make of this signing? Well, I think it was number two in the pecking order that – you know, they, when they knew they weren't going to get a deal done with McGlinchey, they went to the next guy, not the next guy at the position. And he will be a left guard, from what I understand, for the Bears. Cody Whitehair will be the center, and Tevin will be the right guard. And Lucas Patrick's still going to be around. He's going to compete with Cody for the center position. But and but probably be the swing backup, and then you can throw whoever they draft. You know they could draft a center guard. I I I feel right now they're going to draft two linemen. One's going to be a right tackle. Mark it down. It's a lock. First or second round. It's going to happen because they they did they wanted to sign McGlinchey. It didn't happen. That they don't have one. Riley Reef signed with New England this morning. They weren't going to bring him back anyway. He's going to be 35 years old, I think, this year. Uh, and and Borum really isn't a fit. He's a backup. You get by with him as a backup, get out of the game. You can even win some games with him. But he's not what you want. You know, you live with him, you want better. And so, I, you know, that that's – now that's going to be one of the emphases in the, in, the, in the draft. Whether it's the second round or the first round, who knows? Because it, it, it depends on what you're looking at when you get into the draft. And nobody can tell you right now who's going to be the first eight players off the board. We don't know that. And I think there's a good possibility they could try to trade out of that you know, maybe go down. In fact, I was looking at one and I'm just, you know, just playing with it real quick. I go, Pittsburgh's, I think it's 16. So the Bears are at 11. Pittsburgh's got two twos that are higher than the Bears' two twos. Their lowest two is higher than the Bears' highest two. So I was just looking at it and then looking at the math on, on the chart. And I, who the hell knows if Pittsburgh even wants to trade up. But let's just assume they wanted to. The first thing I'd want in that trade is you got to give me your two twos. I'll give you our two twos and then throw in something else. So now you got an even deal. But you're picking now from strength in the second round. Instead of picking in the second half of the second round, both picks are in the first half of the second round. And that is a very, very strong area in this draft. In fact, that, that 20 to 50 range is really, really strong in this draft. And where they're picking right now in the second round, they're going to get a good player. There's no question, but you got to get lucky too. You got to hope that, you know, guys that you think were going don't go, and now you've got a shot at I can't hear you, although you must have shut your mic off. 
I did because I'm sniffling because the allergies are crapping on me. Um, Taking Allegra. Yeah, I did, and uh, it's not working as well as it should. Okay, so uh, J2K says, uh, positions like quarterback, left tackle, DE, and CB are premium positions often taken high in the draft. Is it valuable to draft a right tackle in the top 10? Well, probably the guy you're taking played left tackle in college, and you're going to make him a right tackle. Oh. Let's just – okay, let's throw one name out just for the help. I don't know what their interest is. Paris Johnson. Left tackle. And a lot of people have him as, as the number one tackle. Jordan Paris Johnson played in 2021. Right guard. They had a left tackle last year. Petit Ferrer, I think his name was, who went in the third or fourth round. So they kept the veteran at left tackle. This guy was too good to keep off the field. They had that other monster playing at right tackle, Dewan Jones. And so they put uh, Johnson at the right guard position. He performed well, very well. Performed so well that everybody projected him as a first rounder this year anyway. And then this year he plays at left tackle and, and plays really, really good. So he's already lined up on the right side with his right hand in the ground, his his right leg back in a stance. You know he can do it. So there's no projection to it. Okay, and there's a bunch now, say in the second round. Um, Matthew Bergeron from Syracuse. Last two years, and he's damn good. Wouldn't surprise me if he went at the bottom of the first round. But because he's a very consistent player and he's nasty. And he played left. He's a starting left tackle his last two years. But he's got nine starts at right tackle when he was younger. He's done it. Tennessee's got a pretty good right tackle and right. I just not sold that he's a perfect fit for this offense. You know, being able to get out in space, pull, adjust on the move. You know, I, I, I yeah, he, he can move a lot better than Dewan Jones, um, like 10 times better than Dewan Jones. But I just don't know if he's exactly what they're, I'm not sold that he's exactly what they look for. But yeah, it, it's, Value of the position, and on top of that, right now you don't have one. So, you know that that and that's another reason why at nine, you know, it, it, chances are when they get to nine, there will not be an offensive lineman drafted yet. The way this draft looks to figure out, so they're going to have their pick, and. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, why the hell wouldn't you trade down? And there's another guy that, who you know I love, and who, you know, teams I'd known had really good grades on. The analysts didn't have anything on him. I mean, as far as top quality guy, well, he's going in the first round. Mm. And that's our buddy at Northwestern. Oh my gosh, double A. He, Ottawa Timmy Ebora, I think. <laughs> I think. I think you nailed it. <laughs> um, 
you know, Vert, he, he knocks it out of the park at the Senior Bowl. Now, he, he played out of position at Northwestern, playing as a wide defensive end for most of the time. He did play inside some. First, doesn't just play well at the Senior Bowl, dominated at the Senior Bowl. Mm-hmm. I can go back and tell you a story. 2012-2013, I was working for the Eagles as a consultant. So I'm at the Senior Bowl. And there's this guy who was raw. He started off as a quarterback, and then he became a tight end, and then they moved him to right tackle. And I think he had two years at right tackle. He was athletic. Or no, they moved him to left tackle. And he was athletic and all that, but raw. His name was Lane Johnson. Okay. Really jumped out at the senior bowl. Nobody had him, like, as a potential first rounder at that point. But mm-hmm. then when he just knocked the daylights out of everybody at the senior bowl, when you saw him in those one-on-ones and stuff, they said, wait a minute, he's, he's got it. And Philly took him. They had the fourth or fifth pick that year. Mm-hmm. You'd have to go back and look, but they took yeah, I think it was the fourth. But, yeah. and, and they, they put him at right tackle and he's been, probably the best right tackle in the game ever since. So don't tell me that a guy can't go down to the, to the senior ball. Not yet. 90% of the time. No, it doesn't happen, but this kid, his tape was good at Northwestern knocks it out of the park at the senior ball, knocks it out of the park at the combine and then knocks it out of the park again yesterday. (laughs) That was a great performance. Uh, You know, yesterday, he does, you know, he didn't do the agilities at the combine. He, he he did 28 reps on the bench at the combine, but he's competitive. He thought he could do more, and he did more. He did 29 yesterday. Mm-hmm. But he does. Now, this is again, he's 285 pounds, six one and a half, and he's got long arms, 34-inch arms. He does the three-cone in like 7-1. There's <laughs> DBs that don't do it that fast. Wow. <laughs> Okay, then he, he does the 20 shuttle in 4-2. Mm. Those aren't good numbers. Those are rare numbers. He ran 4-4-9 four, four, at the combine. Mm. You know, we drafted Tommy Harris. Tommy Harris was a freak athlete. Tommy Harris ran 4-6-8. Wow, jeez. This guy's two-tenths faster, and he was six pounds lighter. Amazing. I, yeah, I, I I don't know if I've ever seen an interior defensive lineman that athletic. How high do you think Double A? Uh, he's is he now a certified late first rounder? I I know teams that had big grades on him before. Mm-hmm. You know, especially after the the Senior Bowl. I think right now. You're looking at around somewhere after 15. Mm. But when you, here's the thing. The guy who's fallen off a cliff is Jalen Carter. <laughs> yes, he has. You know, first, there's no, nobody's questioning his talent. Mm-hmm. But there's something missing with this kid. And 
you know, he gets in, in, in the situation at Georgia. He's got hit two misdemeanors, um, neither of which was, you know, leaving the scene. One was reckless driving, one was racing. But uh, two people did lose their life because of this race or whatever. Supposed, allegedly. We got to be fair. Um, then... But he, he goes, what was good on his part, he goes back to Georgia. Drew Rosenhaus is his agent. Fly him on a private jet back to, to Athens, Georgia. He gets hit with the charges post bail and gets right on a plane and comes right back to Indianapolis to face the music in interviews. But he wasn't going to work out. And that was predetermined that he didn't work out. But it's still, you know, a little bit of a mark against you when you don't work out. And he weighs like, you know, 312 pounds, which is fine. So today's your pro day. Earlier this morning. Might still be going on. He's 10 pounds heavier. He's like 323. Was Didn't do any of the measurable stuff, meaning the three cone, the 20 shuttle, the vertical jump, the long jump of the 40. Position, all he did was position drills. Wow. What the fuck is he thinking? This is not good news. You know, so everybody, he's going to have to time. I mean, yeah, are there been guys drafted who haven't timed? Yeah. But are you going to spend a top five, top 10, top 12 pick and you don't have all the information? It's, what it's going to get down to is the research that you do on this kid. Mm-hmm. And you gotta you gotta feel comfortable with his character. Not Jalen Johnson, who has who there's no question, this guy could be a dominant defensive tackle in the National Football League. It's does Jalen Carter really wanna be the dominant football player in the National Football League? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and uh, everyone in the chat is agreeing with you or, or concerned, you know, like J2K says, he's worried that Carter isn't professional enough to ascend. It's, yet- it's maturity. It's maturity. And the yeah. light's going to turn on with a lot of these guys. And, and you've heard me say before, he's a defensive lineman. Defensive linemen come with a little crap in their neck. It's part of their DNA. Mm. Uh, They're different the- than offensive linemen. Oh, yeah, we've talked about that before. The difference between uh, milk drinkers. Yeah, I told you what the definition of a defensive lineman is. He's a thug. <laughs> but now the question is with Jalen, do you want to be a thug? <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> you, got the tra- you got the traits to be the thuggiest thug in the world. You know? <laughs> Ah, I love it. Pepe had a question about a half hour ago. I want to squeeze in here. He wants to get your thoughts on maybe signing Orlando Brown, who is facing some uh, tough times right now. Maybe he'll sign a one-year deal, uh, and that way – Never going to happen in a million years. Get no way. No way, huh? No way. No way. Okay. You know why? Why? You can't play in this scheme. You'd have to totally change the scheme to sign him. Mm-hmm. Orlando Brown is a non-athlete. Remember his combine? Yep. Oh, yeah. Worst combine <laughs> of all time, regardless of position. He was the laughing stock of the combine. Orlando Brown is a great football player. I'm never going to take that away from him. And Orlando Brown, if Matt Nagy was still here and Orlando Brown 
and and they, you know Juan Castillo was was still the offensive line coach. Orlando Brown would be a great signing for the Chicago Bears, but he cannot play for the Bears, the Packers, the 49ers, the Rams, mm-hmm. be the Jets now, because he doesn't have that ability to get out in space, play in space, adjust on the move, and make a block. He can't run. Mm. He can't change direction very well. You can't even watch him the little bit they got to get to the second level in Kansas City's offense. He misses more than he hits because mm-hmm. he doesn't that, – that's not him. And he's a great player. There's no question. But you got to put him in the right scheme. And that's what it, – it's frustrating to me and, 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 and probably my fault because it shouldn't be, is people don't – you got to know and understand – what they're asking the players to do, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I've done this all my my whole adult life. Yeah, and I've been involved in the game since I've been eight years old. So I, I, you know, I get it. So I get frustrated sometimes. You know, when you hear the sign Orlando Brown, Adam Schefter said it yesterday. It's sign Orlando Brown. And I heard look that. at what they're doing. You know, look at what they're doing. No, they shouldn't they- sign him because he can't play the position here. Yeah, I, I heard that on ESPN and the conversations between Schefter and Marcus Spears, who should know better. This guy played the game. No, he, he, should... might, he's, he might not be in, he might be playing the game, but he might not be paying attention to what they're doing. Well, I, I mean, how many it, of these it, guys sit and watch the Chicago Bears every week when the Chicago well, Bears are, you know, got the first pick in the draft? I, I, I hear you, Greg. I, I, I totally get it. I know they don't watch much tape, and that, which is why I love doing this show with you because we're getting information here that people who are watching these national media shows just are not getting. They don't have the knowledge. It's impossible for a Marcus Spears to look at tape from all 32 teams and then remember what scheme is that team playing, that team. So they're on television this is my rant here they're on television talking about what the bears should do when they don't know they don't know what well, the you know, that, that's that's with 80 percent of the national analysts they don't have a freaking clue i agree i agree you know and, and it's not that they don't have knowledge mm-hmm. but they don't have the exact knowledge for each team you know what you gotta it, it's it's a stupid phrase, but it makes sense. You can't put a square peg into a round hole. It mm-hmm. doesn't fit. Yeah, indeed. You know, so, uh, you know, somebody will say, well, then change the scheme. Okay. Why was Luke Getze hired to be the offensive coordinator? Because of the scheme. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um by the way, uh, J2K, who uh, is a subscriber to our Patreon page, probably the first or second guy to subscribe, he asked the question, is Anton Harrison athletic enough to play in this scheme? He has concerns. What say you about Mr. Harrison, the offensive line? Well, I don't think any of those guys did the agilities, but mm. he's a pretty athletic guy from what I've seen on tape. One of my concerns with him, and, it's not, and, and here's what's going to happen. My concern is that he's never played on the right side. He has always been a left tackle in college. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I go through guys who have. In fact, I got my list right here. 
you know, Paris Johnson's played right guard. Matthew Bergeron, eight or nine game, eight, eight or nine starts at right tackle. Uh, Roderick Jones played and practiced at right tackle in 2020, his his first year at Georgia. Okay. As um, Darnell Wright's always been a right tackle. Uh, Tyler Steen at Alabama, 12 starts at right tackle when he was at Vanderbilt. In 2019, I think it was. So they've done it. It's on tape. You can look at the tape. You know. So in his case, he's never done it. So, and, and I tweeted this out yesterday. I said, you can bet that Chris Morgan, the Bears offensive line coach, is going to be at all these guys' pro days. And if he can't get to the pro day, he'll do, they'll call him up and do a private workout with the guy. Mm-hmm. Which, in my opinion, is better anyway. We, when I was there, we sent, we were interested in offensive linemen. We sent Harry out mm-hmm. to do private workouts with these guys, and really get into their head because he, Harry, Harry would come back and he'd go, "I like the player. He won't fit in the room. Why not? Owen might kill him." You know, and, 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 and I'm serious now. You know. He, he knew the personalities, Reuben Brown, Roberto Garza, John Tate, Fred Miller, Olin Cruz. He knew the personalities of each one of those guys. And he spends a day with one of these guys on a private workout. He could do a private workout. You're not there for an hour and go. You're spending hours and hours with the guy. You're doing mm-hmm. a lot of classroom work with him, too. Right. And so his feeling then is, I don't think he'll fit in with these guys. That's his opinion. And to me, that's valuable information because he's got a coach. Mm-hmm. And he, he could come back too. He's like, I don't want to coach this guy. I don't yeah. like him. Yeah, right. Well, what do you think about uh, Alex Leatherwood? What is his future like with the Chicago Bears? Derek Carter wanted to know. I don't know. I don't know. I You know, this is uh, – He's on last chance ride this coming season, at mm-hmm. least here. Um, you were at you last season. You advocated just put him in mothballs, give him the entire season to get strip acclimated, him, strip him down, strip him down, build him. Right, right. Okay. Well, there was injuries, and he had to play, and he stunk. Yeah, he sure did. Okay, I, I, I don't think he's. A, I think he's a guard. I don't think he's a tackle. Mm-hmm. So if, if my personal opinion, if I'm coaching him, I'm moving him to guard this spring and see if he can sink or swim at guard. Mm. So potentially a, a, a swing interior offensive lineman. Yes. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he, he's, he's going to have to, you know, Missouri, he's going to have to show me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, let's see if, uh, by the way, Chris Watts, my good buddy Chris Watts, worried about his, one of his favorite players, Jack Sanborn, with these acquisitions of Edwards and Edmonds, the two E's. Uh, what happens to Jack Sanborn? SOL, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, he'll be the primary backup at Will and Mike, and probably when they play Sam, he'll be the Sam. Mm-hmm. That's my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know, but they only play Sam. Last year, actually, they played it more 
than usual because yeah. teams were trying to run on, on the Bears because right. they knew they could. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, the Sam might have been out, I don't know the exact percentage, might have been 25%. Mm-hmm. You know, it, ideally, they'd be 12 to 15%. But I think, you know, Sam Bourne will be the the Sam linebacker when they're, in fact, using the Sam. And if Edmonds or T.J. Edwards, and we have talked about T.J. yet, um, he'll be their, their, their primary guy back up. If, if one of those guys get dinged up and has to sit out again. Right. All right. Well, let's move on to uh linebacker TJ Edwards, the very first free agent signing, uh, at least reported agreement. I should put it the first. Reported- that was, you know, it was funny. I said, I, I sent out a tweet about 10 minutes after 11 on Tuesday. And I said, these teams can't make it that obvious. It'll probably be eleven thirty before we hear the first signing. And about three minutes later, it comes across <laughs> that this guy signed a deal only because yeah. Do you think they really got a deal done? Pick up the phone, call the agent, got a deal done in thirteen minutes. Yeah, come on. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> but number one, he's a local kid. Mm-hmm. Lake Villa, so Northwest Suburbs, uh, played at, at Wisconsin, undrafted free agent, became a starter, I think, his second year in the league. Guy's a hell of a football player. Wasn't a great tester. Uh, combining, I think he runs in the four eights, and then he ran in the mid-four sevens at the Wisconsin Pro Day. His Workout numbers are very, very similar to Lance Briggs. A little bigger than Lance. Lance was two, you know, six, a little over six one, two thirty-eight, I think, coming out. And this guy's closer to six two and two forty-two. But the workout numbers very it's, it, they're almost a mirror image of each other. Lance, like I was saying, I, I thought. Uh, Tremaine will be the the will based on athleticism, which would be the same thing because Tremaine is very similar Erlacher as a, as an athlete. Lance said the other day he'll be the will, which means you're you got an Erlacher clone and a Briggs clone playing Mike and Will. If that's the case, you know what I mean. It, it's that, that's, that's how similar they are. You know, so, and, and Lance knows the position. So, I, like I say, I, I don't know what they're going to do, and, and really, who cares? But it, it's, um, this guy, he's, I think he was second team, correct me if I'm wrong, I think he was second team All-Pro, but yet he didn't make the Pro Bowl. And it's harder to make All-Pro. This guy was the leader of the of the Philly defense that went to the Super Bowl. So he's he's strong in the locker room and he's a one hell of a football player. And I'll be honest, I don't know how the hell they got him so damn cheap. They they paid nothing for this guy. And and yet he's one of the best inside linebackers in the league. Your mic's not on, Aldo. 
God. Um, I got breaking news, Greg. Uh, the uh, much-anticipated decision regarding Aaron Rodgers has been made. He has confirmed on the Pat McAfee show that he wants to play for the Jets. This deal is not done yet, but that's where he is probably heading. What say you about the biggest asshole in the National Football League? <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll, I'll swear to who the fuck cares. <laughs> I think that guy is the most selfish a-hole in football. I agree. I agree. Yep, you know, and I respect you know what? the way he plays. Do you? And I love his talent. Mm-hmm. Love his talent. I just think that Aaron Rodgers cares about one thing: Aaron Rodgers, and f you to everybody else in the world. Mm-hmm. Yep. I just want to. I, I the Jets are not on the schedule this year. I, I no, I don't think. we played them last year. I just want to face the Jets one more time. Uh, our Bears. Well, face he the won't Jets. be. He, he won't be here because it'd be three years from now. I'd be forty-two years old. Ah, uh, gosh, that's too bad. I, I well, you know, give me at least a preseason. You can play him. You can play him in preseason, but they probably wouldn't play exactly. him anyway. Exactly. Um, oh man. The, you know, I'm just not gonna. And I'm gonna say this because I got. The general manager and the assistant general manager are friends of mine. Joe Douglas, I've known for a long, long time, and he is a great guy. And he was he was here for a little while as as uh, the director of college scouting for Ryan Pace for one year, and then he went to Philly as director of player personnel. The assistant GM for the Jets is Rex Hogan, who I hired. He's on my staff. I gave him his first NFL job. Before that, he was uh, in the recruiting office at Notre Dame for a long time. Not long, like three, four years or something. And then he went with Urban Meyer to be the director of player personnel at the University of Utah. Mm-hmm. But he was only there like a month, two months before we hired him. Uh, and, and Rex is a good friend. He's a good guy. He's the assistant GM. My gut feeling here is this is not a Joe Douglas, Rex Hogan move. This is an older move. Could I be wrong? I could be 1,000% wrong. But, you know, when they when they flew the private jet out to California last week to meet him, who was on it? The owner. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I, I think this is an owner-driven move. Yeah, I've heard that uh comment elsewhere too and you know that's been a struggling franchise for a long time a lot of unhappy season ticket holders so i I wouldn't doubt that at all (laughs) why are you smiling Uh, because i worked for the giants and it was always you know f the jets Uh, (laughs) (laughs) and and george young used to say yeah the fucking jets they're gonna win the offseason but once once they kick the ball off they don't win a fucking thing <laughs> I love it. Uh, so, Greg, can I get your thoughts on Jordan Love and what do you think he can bring to this Packers team? Um, he started to look pretty good in some of those spot appearances he had in 2022. What the hell is he going into his fourth year now? Yeah, um, it's his fourth year. I mean, you know, now maybe some Packer fans will do this. It wasn't until the fourth year that, that 
um, Aaron Rodgers got to play because Brett Favre was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, do I think he's going to do that? No, I, I was not a big fan. I thought they reached for him. Mm-hmm. He's got some traits. Uh, he got a chance to be a pretty good player, but you know, their last two quarterbacks are Hall of Famers. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers can be an a-hole, but he's going in the Hall of Fame. There's no question about it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and what are the odds of, of having three Hall of Famers in a row besides astronomical? So, <laughs> you know, how good how good is he going to be? Who, who knows? We haven't seen enough to know. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you one thing about Jordan Love. I was down at the Senior Bowl the year that he played, and the buzz that was created since the first day he was there at practice to the game was unbelievable. The amount of love uh, that was being given to him by analysts and so forth. I think you're definitely right. He was overdrafted, and this might have been an example of the Senior Bowl, uh, you know, giving him – a boost where perhaps he, he may not have deserved it, but we'll see in the coming weeks. Uh, yeah. Well, not really coming weeks, coming months. Cause it's, that's what I meant. You know, it's, it, it's September before we're going to actually see him real football. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the other thing though, getting back to Rogers is, yeah, you know, I'll come, you know, it, it seems as if he said, well, I'll think about coming, but you got to sign this guy, this guy, this guy, and this guy. Mm-hmm. So they signed Lazard. Rumor has it that he wants him to go after Mercedes Lewis. And Mercedes is getting ready to collect Social Security. Uh, you know, I'll go back. I forgot what year it was. It was like 2008, 2009. Mm-hmm. We brought in Mercedes Lewis and Maurice Jones drew on a visit. Uh, you know, one of the 30 visits you have. Yep. And maybe it was a little bit before, might have been 2006, the year, I think it was 2006. You'd have to look what year they came out. Um, but we brought him in the same day. They, they were teammates at UCLA. So we had. That night, Lovey, myself, Ron Turner was the offensive coordinator. Tim Spencer was the um, running back coach. Rob Boris was the tight end coach. Rob's with the uh, the Bills now. I don't know where Spencer is. You know, I myself, we all went to Fleming's in Lincolnshire. And mm-hmm. Fleming's was a brand new restaurant there then. It had really, I think, only been open a few months. And we had a great time. And a great meal. So, you know, it's funny because I, I tweeted out the other day. Is that every time I turn on the NFL Network and Maurice Jones Drew was is one of the anchors talking, I just think of that night because it was really a, a good night. I got to tell you, though, his analysis just irritates me. <laughs> MJD, good football player, but his analysis on the NFL Network, I'm like, what are you doing? Oh, well, yeah, you that's his this? opinion. But you know what's funny is, is he's at like five, five and a half, five, six. Mm-hmm. So that you, you know they prop that seat up a little bit. Oh, so yeah. look a little taller when he's <laughs> sitting behind the table. 
Yeah, he and the other uh, the, the other and he's a short guy, but he was he's short, but he was really <laughs> thick. Yeah, I mean he was put together now. He, he, really a good guy. I yeah, I can remember that night like it was yesterday, and it was a mm-hmm. lot of fun. Uh, and we were there for a long time. I mean, we left Hallisall probably at five thirty, quarter to six, and we're still there at nine o'clock. So, mm-hmm. and then I had you know I had to drive these guys to where they were staying in in Vernon Hills, and then pick them up, bring them back over to Hallis Hall in the morning. Mm. Yeah, uh, Andrew Siciliano, and uh, who is who is who is taller, Andrew Siciliano or uh, MJD? <laughs> That's a tough. Oh, I would say Siciliano. Siciliano I, I is taller. I've, I've never seen him in person. Oh, he's he's very short. I saw him at the airport. Is he back from Senior Bowl? He's got to be around five five, five six. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, then you know, then the other guy's bigger. <laughs> all right. So I think we've looked through all of the free agents, and so did they now, sign anybody since we've been doing this? I no. The, the Twitter and social media are a buzz regarding the Aaron Rodgers announcement. So I'm sure. Uh, Poles is having himself a good laugh, and perhaps having himself a nice cup of coffee with a little extra in it. <laughs> They're going to sign at least one more defensive lineman, and I suspect an edge, um, maybe a, maybe another interior guy too, mm-hmm. and they're going to draft at least two mm-hmm. defensive linemen, and they're going to and like I've been saying all morning here, they're going to draft a, a guy to play right tackle. He's going to, like, this guy's going to be a plug-and-play right tackle. Whoever they draft, that's your right tackle next year. There you go. Indeed. I, I, I'm in total agreement. Let's get a couple questions out of the way before we sign off. Homer Cutts says, why did we get rid of Roy Robertson Harris? He's so damn good. And I agree with Homer. I mean, this ask, guy. Ask Ryan Pace. Yeah, but why Why do you suspect? Do you think this was just let's house clean? He's good. He's a good player, but he's not, you know, a, a guy that I want to sign to a long-term contract, which is what he's going to get at the end of the season. Let's well, just... that, that was Pace. It wasn't Poles. It was. It was. Uh, I think it, he, he was. He played just one season with the Jaguars, didn't he? No, I think he's been good. This is his third year away. Oh, okay. You're right then. It is pace. No, that's yeah. not. No, I, I, uh, this guy was a free agent that mm-hmm. was a free agent find. Mm. Yeah. Very, now, and, and he was a stand up outside linebacker. Mm-hmm. So, you know how I always tell you when I'm looking at tape, especially like the, the bigger defensive ends, um, I look at, to see if they they are really in this scheme three techniques and the other guys the other guy is Keon White from Georgia okay. Tech yes who is six five two eighty five strong long arm you know Aid was a was an outside guy you look for guys that have the traits mm-hmm. and, and yeah are they football players and do they have the right physical slash athletic traits to play that position because you really got to be, you got to have some special traits to play that position. Right. And so, you know, guys like Keon white at a uh, 
Tuli Peloto from USC. These are guys that were five techniques or defensive ends or whatever in college that in this scheme are three techs and could be pretty damn good ones. Yeah. Okay. Um, Mr. Shorty has a question. Where'd it go? Oh, everyone is talking about Laramie Tunsil because news came out uh, that he might be available via trade. What say you about potentially making a deal for a Laramie Tunsil? I don't see it. Given Did he bring his bong with him? <laughs> well, in that case, can he stop here at the, my house first on the way to Alice Hall? Remember that? <laughs> oh, yeah. That wasn't the bog. That was a gas mask. <laughs> I don't understand how somebody can do that. That's unbelievable. Yeah. But do you have any interest in the no, Army Council? No, that's not going to happen. I, you know, this guy, he, he wants to build it his way. And he wants, he wants to bring in character. You know, good character, solid guys who love the game. Mm -hmm. He doesn't want to give away draft choices. He wants to use draft choices. Mm -hmm. He wants to accumulate draft choices. So, I, I it could it happen? Yeah, but Tunzel's a left tackle. Mm -hmm. They got a guy because I I was thinking about this yesterday because I would have liked to see them you know, sign a veteran right tackle. It would have made, you know, the draft process a little easier, but then figure, okay, but they were going to, you know, probably take a wide receiver fairly high, not in the first round, but worst case scenario at the top of the third, maybe in the second, but yet they, they took care of that as part of the trade when they got DJ Moore. So mm -hmm. you just, you know, you, you collect what you can in free agency and then you draft off of what you did get in free agency. And okay. so then I started thinking about it because you, you had to have a little disappointment not getting a, a solid vet uh, to play right tackle. And right now there isn't anybody else. So you know it's going to be, you know, a guy in the draft. But now you're going to have at tackle – a second-year guy who played every single snap last year. And then a rookie. So you're going to have, on a second year and a, and a, and a first-year rookie deal, your bookend tackles. Mm -hmm. That's as good as having a, a, you know, a, a rookie quarterback plan or, you know, a, a, on, on that first contract. That's huge. Yeah. And, and look at the difference. Okay, what it costs. 17 million to sign Mike McGlinchey. Well, that's 17 million they're saving because mm -hmm. this guy isn't going to get one. Well, not 17, you got to figure out whatever the contract is. But still, it's a huge savings that you can go somewhere else with. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, you're giving up the experience. But if this, if they take the right guy and, you know, you got a, a, a GM and assistant GM that were offensive linemen themselves. If if they can't scout the position, who the hell can? Mm -hmm. Yep, um, I I agree. I I agree with you. Um, by the way, uh, people are talking about Kalijah Kansi, and uh, on our Patreon page, you compared him to 
Aaron Donald in terms of his quickness, uh, his, his height, his, his size, his bulk, his athleticism, style of play, ferociousness, and then they measured his arms. How concerning is that to you, uh, given that he is a defensive tackle? Huge. Really? His arms are two. And, uh, you know, I can answer it this way, real simply. Why the hell do they have the measurement? Mm-hmm. It's important. And I think we talked about. I think we talked about it Saturday, Aldo. Yeah. Because I had a text conversation with um, Brian Baldinger about it, mm-hmm. and Baldy thinks he can get by. I'm not. And his tape says he can, but mm-hmm. his arms measured. If I. I don't have the, the screen in front of me, but I think 30 and 5 eighths. It was 30 and a half or 30 and 5 eighths. It's a full two inches shorter than Aaron Donald's. That's, That's a not lot. little. Yeah. That's a lot. That is. Okay. Lot. And he's he's six foot one. Mm-hmm. Um, where Abuara is six one and a half. He's got 34 inch arms. That's a huge difference. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, it's, and it's about leverage. Now, would I take them later? Yeah, because now the risk the risk reward changes. Right. You know, so but I'm not going to take them where his tape says you should take them. Mm-hmm. And that's me saying because th- that is a risk because he could fail. And you can't find me a starting defensive lineman, interior defensive lineman in the league whose arms are that short. Right. And I'm sorry, I, you've heard me on the show long enough now for a few years. I'm big on that measurement, and I keep going. They wouldn't have it if it didn't mean something. Mm-hmm. Well, and in in one of our previous recordings, you uh, provided the analogy of the old cartoon where somebody is holding their- like this. <laughs> exactly, another person swinging. Oh my God. <laughs> That's just the perfect illustration of what long arms can do. Yeah. Uh, but sometimes, you know, athleticism, quickness, uh, really fast feet. Uh, sometimes well, they, they you got to have, have quick, strong hands and, and stuff. And, you know, if, if he had 31 and a half, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't be as down. I'm going to tell you, when I say the wind came out of the sails, yeah. When I saw that, yeah. I mean, right away. I mean, my, my, know what my reaction was? Excuse my French. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Because I love the tape. Mm-hmm. Yep. You, but you, I also you. know how people are. And, and just this group here. Mm-hmm. What are, what's the one word they always talk about? Length. Yep. <laughs> Indeed. Fast, long, and uh, I forgot the third one. But, <laughs> But it had to do with strong, strength. strong. But yeah. it's 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 a very meaningful measurement. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hey, um, Pete Skaronsky had his uh, pro day yesterday as well as Double A, and what yep. have you heard about his performance? Did he quell any concerns that perhaps he's just a guard? He's a guard. That's it. He's a guard. Everybody in the league says the same thing. He's a guard. Remember Zach Martin? Mm-hmm. Sure. 
Okay, he, he might. Zach Martin might go into the Hall of Fame. That's how many times he's been to the Pro Bowl so far, and he's still got a long way to go. Mm-hmm. Zach Martin was a three-year starter at left tackle for Notre Dame, and a pretty damn good one. Very he good. went in the middle. He went what, 15, 16, something like that, in the first round to Dallas. Right away, they moved him in the guard. He had 32 and a half inch arms, mm-hmm. which are a quarter inch longer than Skaronsky. I'm not criticizing Skaronsky, the player. Mm-hmm. He is a great player. He can't play tackle. Yeah. He doesn't have the length and leverage. That, you know, long arms is imperative to that position. And so if you're going to stick, there's two tackles in the league starting with arms less than 33. And he's 32 and, and not anywhere near 32 and a quarter that he has. So, you know, why would somebody even think about it? And on top of that, look, if he was 6'6", because one of the guys, I think both of the guys that are playing in the league are, are taller than 6'5", and one six six. And and they've got a wingspan, so you try to get by with them. But you know, Skaronsky is is six four on the on the button, and and so I mean, to me, it's Zach Martin all over again. Let him be a great guard. And wasn't his grandfather a pretty damn good guard? Yeah, indeed. He just hey, following his, his grandfather's footsteps. By the way, uh, as soon as we started talking about hand size, Brianna said, football is so sexy. <laughs> no comment from Greg. Big hands and big feet, I guess. Huh? <laughs> oh, we got so much good stuff here in the chat. We could go on for another hour. <laughs> After my not. surgery, I don't know about that shit. <laughs> By the way, uh, Don Burr, uh, our resident Detroit Lions fan, wants to know if you will say Detroit versus everybody for his benefit. Right now, Detroit, based on how they finish the season, Detroit's the team to beat in the North. I agree. I agree. There's, there, I mean, we can, we can bust his balls all day long, but the reality is they have the best roster in the NFC North. And well, I, I, you know, whether they have the best roster or not remains to be seen, but you know, that you could argue that point, but they're playing the best. Yep. I just think they've got counts. a head start. They've got a head start on their rebuild and, and they got lucky with Goff, who now looks like a respectable you know, number one quarterback where there were so many questions uh, whether he could play in, in this division and so forth. And they've the coaching staff has done done well by him. So, uh, and then they've got all of these skilled players. They've got the best offensive line perhaps in all of football. Um, that, that line's team is good. I suspect, though, it will be Detroit and the Bears versus everybody. <laughs> Greg, any we'll other? Say, you know, we got to, we got to, finish out free agency and then do a good job in the draft and uh, then then we'll go from there and you know there'll be more signings yes there will so with about probably be something today 
Yeah. So with about $50 million left in cap space and you, so you need, I think it's about $12 million. I mistakenly said 25 in a tweet. I apologize. You need about $12 million to sign your draft picks and maybe more if you trade down and acquire more picks. Well, if they trade down, I don't know. I don't know what the pool is going to be at nine versus one, but mm-hmm. it's going to drop considerably. Mm-hmm. And then if they, they trade down, from nine, it'll drop even more because your pool is based on where your where your picks are. Yeah, how many picks you have and where the picks are. Right, right. So you don't I, even get your poll. You don't get your. I said poll. You don't get your pool till like the day after, or two days after the draft. The league right. gives it to you. Right, and we saw a couple of veterans uh, re-upped, including the fullback blasting game and. So I, in terms of extending contracts, do you have a player or two in mind that you think that the Bears might be uh, uh, making an announcement on? I, I wouldn't have any idea if they even open negotiations yet. But okay. you've got three that are eligible right now. Doesn't mean and you have to do it right now, but it's eligible. And you got uh, or four. You've got mm-hmm. uh, Cole Komet. Darnell Mooney, Chase Claypool, and Jalen Johnson. Okay. Now, I thought before they, they struck out at, at tackle, at right tackle, I thought they're more of an outside chance than anything else. But there was an outside chance that at nine, the best player could be a corner. You know, and a good and. And obviously, really good corner because there's some good corners in this draft, yes. and uh, and there's some big guys too. So, but now that that's out of the picture. So I think now it, that changes things too because, it, and I don't know if they had that thought, but if if you were thinking, well, you know, corner might be the best thing, but then now you, you you're forced into it. You have to get a tackle, and you have to get defensive line. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about. So um, I think it takes – could they take a corner in the third? Yep. Mm -hmm. But I think your first three picks are going to be big guys. Hmm. One offensive lineman, two defensive linemen. By the way, uh, it's uh, it looks like uh, Riley Reef is headed to the New England Patriots. Yeah, that that, that came up – like an hour before we started taping. Right. So what does that mean for Isaiah Wind, a, a former Georgia tackle? He's a free agent. Do you think that he's going to be available? And is he someone that you think the Bears should consider? First of all, I think he's a guard. He's six, two and a half. That's right. He is more. You know, I, I, I always thought he was a guard. And okay. they had an injury. And so they played him a tackle. Played tackle at, at Georgia. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's got some length to him, but reality is he's six two and a half, mm-hmm. and so um, and he's probably better off playing a guard. But I think they they moved on now. Could they bring him back? Yeah, I mean, are they signing Riley Reef to be a starter? I don't think so. He's going to be he's thirty five this year, if I'm not mistaken. When mm-hmm. was he thirty three or thirty four during the season last year? You don't have to look it up now, but it was. It was one of the uh, – so he might be 34 this year. And that's another thing I wanted to make. How about this, you know, on, on these guys, 
TJ Edwards is 26. Mm-hmm. Tremaine is 24 to be 25 in May. And Walker, I think, is 27. Uh, and this Travis Homer's 25. He's, he's not, we mentioned it before, he's not going to go out and sign guys on the other side of 30. And one of which was, was Hargrave. Mm-hmm. As far as I know, they didn't even enter that discussion. It had nothing to do with his talent, but it, the money it caught, he got $21 million. And so you're looking at a situation where, okay, he's 30 this year, 31 next year. Then, you know, he's getting that age where he's going to hit the wall on a, as a defensive lineman. And do you want to get caught? with the situation that he becomes a descending player. Mm. So I, you know, I, I think, and, and like I say, it cost 21 million. I think it costs. That's just a, they just weren't going there because that's not what the, what the master plan is. Mm-hmm. Indeed. That is not part of the polls plan. Hey, before I get you out of here, I got a, a tweet uh, today from someone I trust who is hearing rumors about the Bears and the Washington Commanders potentially trying to work out a trade. The details of that, according to this rumor, speculation, what have you, were not given to me. But do you have any idea at all at who or what that could potentially be? Uh, Bears, Commanders working out some kind of a deal? Could it be flip-flopping draft picks? Could it be a player involved? Anything at all? I, I don't have a clue. Yeah. You know, they, they got a lot of money tied up in the defensive line, and they just gave Payne um, $22 million a year. Mm-hmm. They do the have an excess of defensive the- linemen. Well, the other guys going into actually they got a defensive end that's pretty good that's up for a contract at the end of this year. Montez Sweat. Montez Sweat and Chase Young. Oh my goodness, that's right. And you know, so and the other tackle, and I can't think of his name right now, he's making like eighteen a year, seventeen a year, something like that. And he's pretty damn good. I mean they're they're Interior defensive line might be the best in the league. Chase Young has had some injuries, so he hasn't been able to hit his his potential yet. But mm-hmm. Montez Sweat's pretty damn good. Yes. And he's due to get paid a year from now. Mm-hmm. So could they try to move somebody? Yeah, it's entirely possible. Mm-hmm. What time? And would what you time? give up a pick? I mean, you know, I, I, I don't know how old, you know, because I'm using my phone now, not my laptop. I can't look up some of the ages, but I think Montez Sweat is what in his fourth year, right? In the third year right now, fourth year uh, right now. He might have already been redone. He might have been re-upped once. No, I mean, he's not uh, long ago. Like, yeah, he signed in 2019, so he's in the fifth year of his deal, uh, which is... Was, a, he, was he a first-round pick? He was a first round pick yes okay so yeah they picked up the fifth year so he's getting paid on a fifth year option and so he's this is the final year of his deal Mm -hmm. so really it's a rental i you know what do you pay for a rental because you don't know if you're going to keep unless 
unless you can work out an extension right as part of the trade mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you know what I, I don't think i'd be against that yeah i agree with you i'd love to see him come to the chicago bears but again this is just speculation uh, we don't know. What about Chase Young? He's coming off an injury, as Michael H. Uh, points out. Uh, he's he's definitely well, you're a getting, you're, player. You're, you're, you're picking up that. Well, first of all, you'd have a huge cap hit that the Redskins would have to absorb. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if they'd want to do that. I mean, this guy was the number one pick in the draft. Yeah. yeah. You know, so um, – he got hurt. Now he's he's trying to. He's, this is what his third year he's going into, right? Or is it fourth year? One, two, three, four. He's going into his fourth year. Okay, so and they'll pick up his fifth year option. So, uh, yeah, because Chase Lawrence is going into his third year, and he was the, or, you know, he was the number one the that following year. That's the same year as, as uh, Justin Fields. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I. You know, that'd be interesting. How good your source? Um, I'll tell you who it is after we get off. Okay. Okay. All right, everybody. We have gone an hour and 40 minutes. How about that? Greg couldn't get his computer to work when we started the show, but he pulled out the phone and we have been entertained for a hundred. I want to let you know that if you want more of Greg Gabriel, boy, oh boy, we've got a robust uh, amount of evaluations on our Patreon.com page. That's Patreon.com forward slash Barroom Draft, and you can get a lot of uh, draft reports, and Greg and I are actually going to be recording uh, several more in the next in the days ahead. So um, I want to thank everyone who showed up in, in the live, let people know that this show is available on demand whenever they want to see it right here on our youtube page and we'll have an audio version out and the best way to stay on top of stuff is of course to subscribe to this barroom network youtube page and the twitter account barroom network and of of course follow greg gabriel at g gabe football that's two g's at the front all right everybody we will uh talk to you all very soon goodbye greg actually stick around yeah i will (laughs) 